Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And I'm going to begin today by passing along a little bad news and then some really good news. The bad news is that my dear friend Jacques Oliver had a serious heart attack last Friday night. The good news is that he survived, and although he's in the hospital, he is recuperating and in good spirits. While you may not recognize Jacques' name, you should recognize his voice because, well, besides me, Jacques is the only other person whose voice has been included in every podcast from here in the Psychedelic Salon. You see, Jacques is the musician who has provided the theme song for the salon, and if you listen closely, you can sometimes hear his voice ghosting over mine. Now, some of Jacques' friends may be hearing this here for the first time, and so I want to let you know that his heart attack also became a performance. (laughs) It happened at the Imagine Festival on Orcas Island during the Friday night set, being performed by Jacques and his band, Nature Loves Courage. I'll now pick up the rest of this story in Jacques' own words, which I received yesterday in an email that he sent out from his hospital bed. And I quote, The final song of the set was Lazy by David Byrne. Final verse goes like this, Hard man, hard times, hard keeping this all inside. Good times, good God, so lazy I almost stopped. (laughs) At which point, my heart stopped, causing me to collapse on the ground. End quote. In uh, his email, Jacques describes what happened afterwards, but uh, the headlines are that a trauma nurse came out of the audience and began giving him CPR, and within minutes, the Orcas Fire Rescue Team were there with a defibrillator, and after six jolts, our dear friend Jacques came back to life. Within minutes, he was in a helicopter and on his way to a hospital on the mainland. So my hat goes off to everyone involved in this excitement, including Darren and the entire team of uh, staff and volunteers who produced the festival and were prepared for emergencies like this. Well done, all of you. So, uh, now that I can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that Jacques is on the mend, let's get on with today's program, which I think you're going to find to be a lot of fun. If you've been with me here in the salon for a while, you probably remember that a few years back I podcast somewhere around 50 or so recordings that were given to me by Timothy Leary's foundation, and this was before his archive was placed in the New York City Public Library. Well, the other day I was poking around in some of those old recordings, the ones that I haven't played yet, and I found two that I think you're going to enjoy. And I'm going to play them back to back because, well, in a strange way, they're connected. The first recording was made in Folsom Prison back in 1973, and that was after Leary's previous escape from prison and his adventures on the run. A few months after this interview, he was put in solitary confinement and uh, even housed next to Charles Manson for a while. He was serving a 90-year sentence, but fortunately uh, for him, Leary was released from prison in 1976 by Governor Jerry Brown. Of course, at the time of the interview that uh, we're about to listen to, he'd assumed that he would be in prison for the rest of his life. And yet, as you'll hear, he remained remarkably upbeat about life. Since we're going to be sitting here and chatting for a little while, first I think what I'd like to know is, who is this man who has the name Timothy Leary? Who is Timothy Leary? Who is he as a person? Uh, I'm a philosopher. I'm a psychologist who... uh, has been studying the nervous system for the last uh, 30 years. I've uh, written 10 books and hundreds of articles. Uh, I probably uh, know as much or more about how the nervous system works, uh, the far galactic outposts of uh, awareness and the range of human experiences as any scientist around. You also happen to be a person in prison. Well, uh, Yes, I'm in prison, and uh, that may seem odd, a uh, philosopher in prison, but uh, I have to say this about uh, my profession. Uh, 
the best philosophers often end up in prison. If you're a good baseball player, you end up in the major leagues. If you're a really successful politician, you end up in Washington, I'm sorry to say. Uh, if you're really a good philosopher, if you're coming out with new ideas about the seven great destiny questions that are going to rattle the walls of uh, the social institution, uh, most of the men that I model myself after uh, have been lucky if they got away with uh, just being in prison uh, for their ideas. As far as the general public's concerned, uh, you're probably best known for your views on drugs. When did you really get started working with drugs? Uh, starting in 1960 at uh, Harvard University. And what role? How? Well, for many years before that, as a psychologist and one studying the nervous system, knowing that the nervous system is the key to uh, all human knowledge, uh, I've been looking for instruments to, uh, it's like microscopes, to uh, see how the mind and nervous system works. Uh, and in the 1960s, as we all know very well, uh, drugs came along as uh, modes of expanding calculus, just like telescopes and microscopes. Uh, the nervous system is a biochemical uh, structure. Drugs are the fuels of the instruments, just like uh, tractors and jet engines uh, expand our muscles and our legs and that sort of thing. Uh, uh, if you're going to study a nervous system, uh, drugs are the, uh, one of the uh, major tools. You were looking at it from a research view. Did you ever go away from that view? Or every time that you worked with drugs, were you looking at it from research? Well, uh, the philosopher is looking not just at the narrow research aspects, but for the implications. Uh, the great questions are, where did we come from? Where are we going? We're on this planet, uh, this spaceship Earth. How are we going to go on with each other? How can we use our heads? So that uh, I've always been interested in uh, finding uh, ways of uh, using our nervous system as an instrument to uh, answer the basic questions of life. I think any scientist who really gets uh, to the um, frontier of his science gets to these basic questions, gets kind of mystical, uh, gets philosophic, it's inevitable. And uh, I've accepted that responsibility. I think, we, I think we need, at this time, a new philosophy. Uh, we've run out of uh, you know, the great navigational ideas of how we're going to get the uh, great ship uh, moving in the right direction. Ten years ago, you, you did have philosophy in a hallucinogenic revolution. What, what were you really advocating then? Well, uh, my main message is uh, use your head, specifically. Learn how to use your nervous system. It's just, uh, uh, for the last uh, 15 years, uh, I've been studying my own nervous system. I've gotten to use my own nervous system the way uh, Lewenhoek and the first men that uh, got the microscope, or Galileo, the first guy that got the telescope. It takes years to learn how to focus it and dial it and tune it. Uh, I know that the nervous system is a computer. We can program it in many different directions. Uh, it's like a series of uh, mo motion picture or television cameras. We can uh, uh, focus it and turn it around on different objects. Uh, it's, uh, it's electronic, it's electric, and we can dial it and tune it. It's there to be used. And the challenge of the human race right now, I call it the neurological age we're going into, we've got to learn how to, uh, to use our head. Are you ahead of your time? Um, is, is that why you haven't been accepted totally yet? Are you, are you too far ahead of... Yes, uh, I'm in a kind of a time warp. Uh, I definitely am ahead of it. Now, there's a question whether uh, I may be off in the right direction and perhaps the great uh, uh, center movement of society and science won't follow me. These are the risks that the, uh, the faro scientist takes. But I have a certain empirical experimental proof that I'm not entirely wrong because most everything that I said uh, in 1962, 63, my testimony uh, before Senate committees about how we could avoid a drug in this country. Uh, in those days, I was almost alone as a voice uh, saying, this is going to happen, and beware, don't let it happen. And uh, I was considered pretty radical, for example, saying that marijuana should not be criminalized, that LSD should be turned over to the government to be treated like fissionable material, like atomic and in the subsequent years, most of my prophecies have come true, and many very conservative uh, organs like uh, the American Medical Association, American Psychiatric Association, the American Bar Association, even William Buckley, the uh, conservative uh, uh, writer and television star, um, they're all coming around to positions that uh, I was considered uh, radical in espousing uh, in uh, the 1960s. I believe you said 10 years ago that you wanted to change the spiritual level of the United States. Mm -hmm. did, you, did you think of yourself as a, as a drug messiah back in those days? You started your own church? Well, 
If you hadn't asked me about drugs today, I wouldn't have brought it up. I talk about the nervous system. I talk about how we can use our knowledge to make this country a better place. I talk about how to reduce crime, that sort of thing. I want to point out that you're the one that's asking questions about drugs. Now, I know I have to answer questions about drugs because uh, I've been labeled, as we say in prison, that's on my jacket. Uh, but uh, um, I have no more to do with drugs than Einstein has to do with uh, the atomic bomb. Now, now. All the way through. You never did 10 years ago. When I was lecturing, if you read my books, uh, Less than 10% of any book uh, I've ever written, or 10 or 15% of any lecture I've ever given, is on drugs. And usually, the drug question came up in the, the question and answer periods afterwards. Now, when Albert Einstein got to the particular heaven, or Folsom prison hell, or wherever he, uh, his destiny led him, and he began talking about the equations of space-time and the relativity theory, I know that there's a reporter or a television uh, man saying, yeah, Albert, but what about the atomic bomb? And he'd say, yeah. It's true that there were those crazy, mixed-up kids uh, got a hold of that atomic bomb on the basis of my theories and blew up Nagasaki and Hiroshima. So I have to take the responsibility uh, for uh, drugs as being one part of uh, the philosophy that I've been uh, teaching and studying and working on. Are you saying 10 years ago that the news media just totally blew out of proportion what you were actually trying to achieve? Did you not advocate LSD? Uh, no, I never advocated drugs. Uh, I defended uh, drugs, uh, different drugs, uh, against uh, unscientific charges. But as soon as you start saying marijuana is not a killer drug, you become a, uh, an advocate. Uh, in the people's mind. Yeah. We, as I look in this uh, camera and realize that people are going to be watching this program, uh, I think it's safe to say that maybe a third of the audience uh, Jerry likes me. They, don't, they think I'm a philosopher in prison for my ideas, and they don't want me in prison. But I think there's another third that uh, really dislikes me intensely, thinks that uh, I've led the young people astray. Uh, there's another third, probably, that uh, couldn't care less, that you're busy enough with your own lives, that uh, my debate with the United States government uh, is no concern of yours. But the one thing that's true of uh, almost everyone involved in these debates, uh, uh, they don't really know what I've been saying. I, I think that very few people who have... Uh, are watching this program have read my books. Uh, and we know how the media labels people, how they label Eagleton, how they label Muskie. It's, it's, it's the great sensation game. And it's very hard once they lay a label on you that way to uh, fight back. When was it that various local and government officials started putting pressure on you because of the, the views that were made known by the news media on drugs and so on? Well, uh, I, I don't know how many Americans know this, but uh, I have the honor of being the person that started uh, G. Gordon Liddy on his uh, media career. Uh, as much as anyone in this country, I put Gordon Liddy in the White House. He was out after you, wasn't Yeah, he, he was an assistant DA uh, near Millbrook, New York, where I had a uh, scientific center where we were studying consciousness. And Gordon was a very ambitious... Uh, now, uh, of course, uh, there are millions of people uh, kind of going along on his trip. But in those days, he was... Uh, uh, the first time that I was harassed by the law uh, was on a Saturday night at midnight, <clears throat> I was in uh, my bedroom with my wife, and I was talking to my son, and the door banged open, and in came G. Gordon Liddy uh, with 24 uh, armed and booted uh, sheriffs. Warren? They have a warrant on hand? Uh, yeah, but the warrant was, was... They found no marijuana. The warrant was thrown out. They, uh, they did confiscate uh, a little plant we had on peat moss, which was the geranium. But uh, Gordon Liddy then ran for Congress on the basis that uh, he had driven me out of the county, and uh, from there he went to uh, White House, as a drug expert. And how did Gordon Liddy get to be a drug expert? Because uh, he had uh, fought know. Timothy Leary. This has been well known. Uh, it's been testified to recently. And, uh, uh, that was 1966. And since then, I've been in continual... Uh, um, I know exactly how that system works. So your phone's being bugged, being harassed, and so forth. Uh, they tried it out on me before they tried it out on <coughs> Senator Muskie and Senator McGovern. If I recall, you recently filed a suit to close Folsom. Yes, uh, with the help of uh, uh, some prisoners, there's a small group of prisoners here uh, who are attempting to set up an educational uh, program. It's called Probe. Uh, they're, they're trying to get it uh, authorized, and they helped me. Uh, this is a, a brief um, filed and written by uh, jailhouse lawyers. Uh, we want to close the prisons uh, because uh, they set up a condition of uh, slavery, involuntary servitude. And the, uh, the brief spells out how we can deal with the prisoner problem without uh, caging men uh, in a way that's very unconstitutional. And we hope to do it, of course, uh, very legally and with the cooperation of the uh, prison guards administration. There's something in this for everybody. Uh, one thing, uh, I see the United States and the human situation like a nervous system. We're all in touch. 
Uh, I think the problem has been that uh, we've gotten out of touch with each other. We've got to use technology to, to get into uh, a close communication so that everything we're doing here now uh, is uh, legal. It's uh, with the uh, knowledge of the prison authorities. We want to bring them in. We want to raise their salaries. We want to uh, give them uh, compensation adequate to their problem because they're facing the, the crucial problem of how to uh, change men's minds and solve crimes. So that, uh, we're not, uh, we're not against anyone. Certainly 10 years ago, you were giving advice to people. What advice would you give young people today? Well, uh, you know, I've been off the air for three and a half years and I haven't been getting any advice uh, and letting other people take over to see how good advice, uh, how good the advice is that they could uh, pass on. Uh, my main advice to everyone is to, we've got to learn how to uh, to use our heads. We've got to realize that uh, the nervous system can be used as an instrument to uh, help us understand why we're here and where we're going. I think we've got to change. Uh, we'd like to see uh, the United States move into its third uh, century uh, with the same spirit we had 200 years ago, a spirit of novelty, of uh, something uh, great and imaginative and freeing uh, so that we can have the pride that uh, Americans uh, used to feel. Now, as I look around since I've been back, uh, I don't see that uh, Mr. Nixon or the Democrats uh, have a program that's going to lead us uh, into the third century with this uh, vigor that we need. We'll limp or crawl or uh, kind of stagger into the, uh, the third century, which I think is uh, a tragedy. So uh, I don't have any advice for anyone. I'm just simply saying that we're going to be broadcasting our ideas of hope and of confidence and of courage. And, uh, we don't say we're right, but uh, God knows uh, we're, we're about ready for, uh, for a new philosophy. It's going to come. You say you aren't giving advice. Uh, would you give advice on the use of drugs nowadays? Yeah, uh, I should do that. And I'll look right into the eyes of everyone that's uh, uh, watching this program and say that uh, I, I don't uh, urge you to take LSD in particular. LSD is the most powerful substance that... Uh, the human being has ever developed for uh, influencing mind. I've used the comparison of nuclear energy or fissionable material. I think that uh, in the right hands and uh, scientific and disciplined and uh, hopeful people, uh, it will bring about changes. But uh, for uh, uh, I don't want anyone to listen to this broadcast to, to get any other message that I'm, I'm telling you, uh, stay away from LSD. In the first place, 99% of the what's called LSD is no LSD. And 99% of the things that are said about LSD are, are totally uh, lies or fabrications. The whole thing is so confused now that uh, I'll flatly make that statement. You also said in the past that you are afraid of heroin. You don't like heroin. Personally, uh, I don't like heroin at all. It's, it's a down trip, it's an escape trip, and uh, although I'm an escape artist, uh, <laughs> I, I like to escape to life, not uh, escape from life. Um, I think that heroin addiction is like diabetes or it's like uh, epilepsy. There are certain people that just uh, physiologically uh, and psychologically are so uh, wired up that uh, they're going to be attracted to this uh, mode of escape. And heroin addicts, there probably would be 60 or 100,000 uh, if, if we kept the money thing out of it. Could be handled by physical uh, prescriptions, by doctors, uh, just the way diabetics now use uh, insulin. Well, if you passed a law against insulin, immediately the price of insulin would go up, like the price of heroin, and you'd have diabetics going around, robbing and stealing to, uh, to get their fix. But for me, heroin is no trick. You're sitting here in prison. Um, what are you doing productively? What are you doing to, to keep yourself alert? Well, I have no trouble uh, keeping myself alert. Uh, there's plenty to do here. The main thing I'm doing is taking advantage of this... Uh, opportunity to uh, study society from this very interesting vantage point. I'm talking to prisoners, I'm listening to them, uh, I'm doing some writing. Uh, I do about two hours of physical yoga every day. Uh, there's no problem. Uh, this is uh, this is where it's happening. As I said before, it's a microcosm. You've got all the raw essence of uh, human society here. This is where you can really see it uh, coming down. It's a, a rare experience. It's nothing that uh, I want to make a career of, but uh, it's my ambition to, uh, to really liberate the world. Uh, why not? I mean, why settle for anything less? Uh, and I have a sense of humor about it. I know the odds are against me, but uh, uh, we only have a few years here. Let's try to uh, leave this uh, spaceship uh, a better place. And uh, all the models and all the philosophers uh, and all the men that I think have really liberated uh, 
humanity have all done their time on the outside. I want to get back in. I think I belong in American society. I think that a society that imprisons its philosophers is playing with very bad magic. You just can't uh, imprison ideas. You've been arrested a number of times for possession of marijuana. Were any of those legitimate? No, as a matter of fact, uh, I've never been legitimately arrested. Uh, I'm in prison now because uh, one evening I was in a parked car and a policeman came up to the car and opened the door against my wishes, and made a pass of the ashtray, and said, you're under arrest for, uh, for what? He said, for marijuana. I said, what marijuana? He reached in his pocket. He pulled out uh, two joints that I'd never seen before, half joints, and uh, said, you're under arrest. A year later, an Orange County, you know Orange County, uh, jury believed the policeman's story and uh, found me guilty of possession of marijuana. Now then the judge, uh, instead of giving me bail, as I was entitled to for uh, appeal, I held up a book that I had been writing and said, uh, your ideas are dangerous and we're not going to give you bail and uh, we'll put you in prison to keep you quiet. Now, uh, I'm not complaining. Because I think I should have been shut up then. I've been around the United States for 10 years talking and uh, uh, spreading my message. And I think it's good uh, in a public life to a uh, chance to lay back and to <laughs> see what the opposition is going to do. As a matter of fact, when I was arrested, I was running for governor in California. And I published position papers on how to gradually eliminate taxes, uh, how to eliminate crime, uh, how to eliminate the drug abuse problem and so forth. I thought I'd lay back for a couple of years and see how well the, uh, the other side was going to do. But last January in uh, Afghanistan, uh, the uh, American government agents, <coughs> they're part of that same Liddy uh, Narcotics Bureau group, uh, stole my passport illegally, uh, kidnapped me. It was a valid me. passport? It was a valid passport on the southern territory of Afghanistan, kidnapped me, put me in a plane, brought me back. <laughs> and now I'm in Folsom prison and I'm broadcasting again. Now, I, I didn't want to come back. I was half happy over there. I was consulting with other governments on how they could avoid uh, the crime and the drug problem we have here. Uh, but uh, now that I'm back, uh, I am going to be broadcasting. You say that that arrest was not only given at once. Let me rephrase that. Do you think the sentence was put on you extra top because you are similar? I don't, I don't think, first of all, I don't think that anyone should go uh, to prison for the possession of marijuana. So it's, it's unfair for everybody. I don't think there's any question, though, that uh, if another middle-aged, middle-class uh, person was found with uh, two uh, these in their pocket, uh, they wouldn't be doing prison time. But, uh, I am Timothy Larry. Uh, I, I don't think it's so much my ideas, because there are a lot of people running around me, uh, preaching uh, new ideas. Uh, the reason I'm in prison is because my ideas were listened to by millions of people. Uh, they got a little too popular. That's my version of it. Briefly, I know you took a number of pages in your newest book to explain how you broke out of prison, but briefly tell us how you did it. Uh, I'd, I'd like to say telepathy, teleportation, magic. That was part of it. Uh, I went over a fence. You had outside help? Uh, I was helped after I got outside. Yeah. Well, in your book, you also yeah. had help. It was a, a long-range setup uh -huh. that helped you get out uh -huh. and so on. You were helped by the weatherman? Yeah. One person who helped you break out was a, a young girl, codename of Kelly, and you say that she's the senator's daughter. Yeah. It was Senator Blank in the book. Yeah. Is it to remain that way? Uh -huh. Well-known senator? Very well-known. Does the senator know? Oh, sure. Uh, then you went on to uh, Algiers. Uh -huh. You lived over there with Eldridge Cleaver and his mm -hmm. wife, Kathleen. What do you think of Eldridge Cleaver as a man, his beliefs, his feelings? That there was a big rift there after you had lived there for a while. Yes, uh, Eldridge Cleaver and I disagreed strongly on uh, philosophy and on uh, how to change the world. Uh, I believe that the revolution is a neurological revolution, it's a revolution of consciousness. Uh, I saw it more as a spiritual revolution. Uh, Eldridge, as you probably know, uh, believed in a violent uh, military revolution, and I felt that uh, this was old-fashioned and would get easily wiped out and uh, create uh, bad vibrations where we wanted good vibrations. Some people say that perhaps your use of LSD and other drugs, you might have destroyed some of your brain. Do you think that you've suffered any brain damage whatsoever? <laughs> well, uh, am I insane? Of course, that's a very tricky question for anyone to answer. I, I've lived through the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. And I think anyone who's still erect after those years uh, 
uh, <laughs> had his sanity tested. Um, I'm 52 years old, facing the problems of maturity and, and getting old. Uh, uh, I've been through a lot of rough time the last few years. Uh, my career has been ruined, and uh, they took my credit card away at Harvard, and uh, uh, I've been harassed by the United States government uh, pretty heavily. Uh, I've been in four prisons, all without uh, committing any crime uh, that I know of. I've been in solitary confinement for uh, four months. Uh, in addition to all of these uh, pressures, uh, I've probably pushed my nervous system as much as uh, any human being living. I think I'm the strongest, sanest person around. Now, uh, I'm not making any guarantees for the future, but, uh, you know, there's something very ominous about this tendency to call anybody that you don't agree with insane. A hundred years ago, they'd say you were possessed by the devil or you were a heretic. Uh, Twenty years ago, they'd say you were a communist. Now, the really sophisticated totalitarian method now is uh, to say that someone that is a dissenter, that is against the society, is insane. In Russia now, very smooth. They take their philosophers and their dissenting poets, and uh, they don't put them in Siberia anymore. Uh, they put them uh, in the insane asylum. Now, maybe it is insane to be against what's happening in the United States today. Maybe it's insane to try to have hope that something can be done about it. So if that's insane, uh, count me in. But uh, otherwise, uh, make up your own mind. You're an optimist. Yeah, a yeah. hope fiend. Yeah, I, I've been called... Uh, an irrepressible optimist. Now, the opposite of an irrepressible optimist is a repressive pessimist, and I think that's what's running the country today. What do you think of your future? Do you think you're going to walk out of Folsom Prison free man one day? I think my future is very interconnected with the future of this country. You just can't keep uh, your philosophers in prison. Uh, if I am kept in prison, uh, it's uh, going to be a very bad symptom for freedom and for hope and for union. Sitting here during the interview, I've, I've noticed the, the symbol on your shirt. What is that for? This is a very uh, interesting symbol for some of us. Uh, this is a replica of uh, the remnants of a living organism that was found on a meteorite that came from uh, interstellar or extraplanetary space. This is proof that life exists uh, somewhere off our planet. Now, we feel that uh, this is uh, the first contact with uh, a higher intelligence or Somewhere out there, there's, uh, there's another point of view. And we've taken this as a symbol of the new hope philosophy that we're talking about. Um, sometime in the fall, we're going to see in the sky a meteorite. Have you heard about it? It was discovered by a German astronomer. We call this uh, light that's going to come into our solar system. We see it the daytime as well at night. We call it star seed. And it kind of ties in with the symbol that uh, uh, we're visitors on this planet Earth. Uh, we're not going to be here very long. We've got to get back in touch with the greater picture. And uh, it's a symbol of uh, unity and hope. I would like to ask you briefly if you have a final comment. Uh, I think I've said pretty much uh, what I have to say. Uh, we're going to keep broadcasting. There'll be more messages. I'd be gla very glad to uh, hear from anyone in the audience who'd like to uh, keep this dialogue going. My, uh, my partner and my mate, Joanna Larry, is uh, going to be going to college campuses and radio programs and television programs. Uh, I've uh, had two books that have published since I've been back. Uh, uh, I apparently was wanted back here. I think there aren't uh, very many uh, philosophies of hope, freedom being uh, broadcast. So, uh, and let me try to shut me up. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, people who have broadcast hope in this country in the last few years, many of them have been killed. I know it's a risky job, but. Uh, I'm here and I'm going to keep broadcasting. How was that for standing up to the man? Facing the possibility of spending the rest of his life in prison, Leary still puts his finger in the establishment's eye and says, I'm here and I'm broadcasting. <laughs> well, this brings me to the next interview with Tim Leary that I want to play for you. And this one took place 19 years later, sometime late 1992, and, well, it's my all-time favorite interview with Dr. Leary. I thought that uh, playing it right after the one that we just heard would be interesting, because it begins with the same question, who is Timothy Leary? But there's an added benefit with this interview. Over and above being able to uh, see what changes may have taken place in Leary's thinking over the intervening years, and that benefit is that the person conducting the interview is the one and only Skip E. Lowe. 
<laughs> he was a really well-known television personality in the L.A. area, and between 1978 and 2014, Skip conducted somewhere around 6,000 interviews on his show, Skip E. Lowe Looks at Hollywood. Now, as soon as you hear Skip's first question, you're going to think that you recognize his voice. And there's a good reason for that, and it's because Martin Short essentially copied both the voice and mannerisms from Skip Lowe for the comedy character that Short named Jiminy Glick. And I'm sure that many of our fellow saloners have fond memories of watching Jiminy Glick while passing a joint around. <laughs> I know that I do. And so, when Skip asks his questions, there's really no way I can see anybody but Jiminy Glick asking them. For example, after first stating that it was his understanding that Timothy Leary had actually created LSD, and then being corrected by Leary, Lowe just goes on to say, and what I can only hear now is coming from the voice of Jiminy Glick, So, tell me more about the LSD. What happened there? <laughs> As you'll hear, Skip knew next to nothing about what Leary had done before this interview, and that makes it even more fun to listen to. So now, here is another interview with Dr. Timothy Leary, 19 years after the interview that we just listened to. Timothy Leary uh, grew up in Boston, Massachusetts? Is that where you grew up? Uh, I spent my first 18 years in a very small town in uh -huh. western Massachusetts. Uh -huh. College? Where? In, uh... I went to about seven colleges. Uh, I, actually, I was expelled from several of them. I went to West Point for two years. I went to a Jesuit school. Uh -huh. I got my master's degree from Washington State University in Pullman. Right. And uh, then my doctorate in psychology at UC Berkeley. Berkeley. Expelled from where? How, as you say, several. Expelled for what reason, may I ask? Well, I was uh, expelled from the University of Alabama for spending the night in the girls' dormitory. Now, oh. you're going to ruin my reputation. No, I mean, go ahead, <laughs> Timothy. I want to know. No. You're, go, you're going to go for the real uh, inside story. No, you say story. expelled. <laughs> go ahead. Like you several. But what, expel, what else? For what other reasons? You said one for I girls. I was expelled from a Jesuit school called uh, Holy Cross College uh, for um, uh, gambling, playing poker, blackjack, oh. late at night during a uh, religious retreat with a son of an Italian mafia guy from, uh, from New York. <laughs> <laughs> that got me. That, they graduated me right there. You've been outspoken ever since you were a kid, then, really. Timothy Leary's always been his own person, own mind, own spoken person. Yes, I, I lived a very... Uh, well, I would say a lonely childhood. It was a very isolated little town, and I didn't uh, see much of the uh, sophisticated world. So I lived as a child an extraordinary life. I read books all the time, uh -huh. and I dreamed dreams of, uh, of doing heroic things to help the human race. And uh, my model, my idol, was a philosopher named Socrates, and right. uh, I based my entire life on Socrates. So that's where Timothy Leary... That, uh, he, he's, he's the guy that caused uh, all the trouble for me. His... His motto was, he said that the aim of human life, Kippy, was to know thyself. Now, this was very subversive, because the very idea of someone saying, you don't have a self, you're a, you're a serf, you're a slave, mm -hmm. he, was, uh, he was inventing the idea of individuality, ah. and that you could do something about your life. Now, as soon as I studied uh, the uh, books about Socrates, I realized that this is a dangerous profession, because you're, you're teaching people to... Uh, to get question into authority. Uh -huh. I realized that this job, which I was going to uh, undertake, the corrupting of the minds of youth, it paid poorly. Mm -hmm. It could get you in serious difficulty with the authorities, and in, in the case of Socrates, it got him uh, hemlocked. Uh -huh. But uh, I've enjoyed this uh, profession, and in the last uh, 70 years in America, it's been a wonderful time it has? for a dissident philosopher because so much change has happened that uh, do you I've think? Enjoyed. Do you think the kids today know thyself just a lot of them don't they don't have identifications of their own self they don't know who they are they just follow the leaders ain't it the Come truth on. it's been that way am i right it's been that way for most human beings throughout most human history right at certain times in human uh history culture right. when everything's favorable we have what's called a renaissance now they had one in athens because uh, athens was protected by geography from the big empires right there's another great a great um a renaissance in uh, around Venice and uh, in northern Italy, and mm -hmm. a renaissance preaches the, the basic religion of humanism. Right. 
uh, Renaissance period, we had one in the 60s here, and the right. key to it was humanism. He said, the aim of individual life is to know yourself and to treat each other as human beings. And this flies in direct opposition to every fundamentalist religion, to every uh, political party right. where you're supposed to uh, work for, the, for God or for the uh -huh. uh, state. So, uh, uh, and, and what happens in a, in a Renaissance, we, we, we sim rediscover the wonderful potential of the inner human being. Right. Uh, it becomes, uh, the clothes tend to come off because there's more uh, human contact and uh, beauty and, and erotic uh, activity is, uh, tends to be more uh -huh. active at this mm -hmm. period. So in the 60s we had a classic renaissance which uh, ended in 1980 when the uh, repression of uh, right. Reagan and Bush came out. We all, we all know that's my Right, history. right. Berkeley. I went to Berkeley. I went you, there for four years and I taught. And you taught? For about four years at Berkeley, yeah. Philosophy. Psychology. Psychology. But that's really philosophy, too, isn't it, really? Yes, Psychology, but, uh, philosophy. Yeah, you know, of course, to be a uh, good psychiatrist or... You know, go ahead. I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Skippy. So what do you think? You were there in the 60s, or, or was it the 60s you were there? When were you there? In no, I, I was a graduate s student at uh, Berkeley, Berkeley from 1946. 40s? Really? To 50. Okay. And I taught around Berkeley and did research there as, as a faculty member and a researcher for about nine years. I left Berkeley basically to go to Harvard in 1959. You went to Harvard for how long? As, as, a, t as, as a, a teacher. As a faculty member. A faculty member. When did this all begin for Timothy Leary, this creating of LSD? When did all of that start? Well, I didn't create LSD. Well, you s did something about it. They yes, all think I, you uh, are the creator, but you're not. I know you're not. Uh, Experiment. I, I don't know anything about chemistry at all. I'm, yeah. But uh, I'm not involved in computers, and I can hardly turn my own computer on. I, uh, I try to use these tools as ways of increasing intelligence and getting to operate your mind and your brain, to be intelligent, to know thyself, Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to operate your mind and your brain. And uh, there's We don't use it enough. People use it just this much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there should be there's a lot there. Tell me more about that. Well, of course, uh, most schools do not teach young people to think for themselves. The idea is to... Most schools indoctrinate to train you to, to play your part in a factory society or to, you're going to be a lawyer and you'll be a doctor. And you've got to be a, a crook because the cops, we have to have cops and crooks. They're the, there are all these roles that are being taught right. in schools. But rarely, I w there are a lot of good teachers out there, and I'm sure... Uh, are there really, walking, Timothy? There are many teachers out there, particularly now, people that went through the 60s when thinking for yourself was popular and almost authorized. Yes. There are a lot of good teachers out there that are doing their best to encourage and stimulate uh, their students to think for right, themselves. For themselves. But there's 60s kids that are now... Uh, that's what I, th I have always thought for myself ever since I was a ki kid. Uh, uh, that's why I was I'm like an individual. You. I'm, I'm, I'm me. I'm me. I've there ain't nobody like Skippy Lowe. No, Lowe. but I'm uh, just saying, Timothy, yeah. I've always been me. That's why I've and always liked you, Skippy. Did you? Is that right? <laughs> so tell me more about the LSD. Uh, what happened there? You, you, you started something there with that uh, creation. A lot of pot and everything else. I didn't start anything. The use of a certain uh, botanical vegetable substances go psychotropic to right. activate the brain. That's been going on for thousands of years. It now, has been. It, Socrates and that whole group of Plato and uh, the Lucinian mysteries, they were using marijuana, hashish, and opium. Uh -huh. The use of uh, drugs or vegetables to uh, activate your brain, to open up new uh, circuits of your brain, that's, uh -huh. that's called shamanism. And uh, m many say that most of the religions and much of the philosophy has come from groups. Mm -hmm. Like the group around uh, uh, Socrates. Socrates, yes. Uh, at Harvard University, for example, there's been a long tradition, honorable tradition, really, of the use of psychedelic drugs. Uh, at Ra Harvard, Ralph Waldo Emerson uh -huh. started what was called American Transcendentalism, uh -huh. flying in the in the face of the Puritan ethic in Boston. Emerson was banned from Harvard and Boston for about thirty years, longer than I was. Really? Yeah, and then at the same time, uh, there was an active. Uh, use of, uh, of uh, psychoactive drugs by uh -huh. British uh, poets. Uh, uh -huh. uh, then uh, William James, who founded the psychology department at Harvard, wrote a book called The Varieties of Religious Experience, in which he talked about his experiences with hashish and, uh, uh -huh. and nitrous oxide. Right. So uh, when I went there, uh, I was joining a long club of honorable and very distinguished philosophers who believed in transcendence, 
or basically they were humanists as opposed to the engineer tradition right. of MIT or the puritanical uh, fundamentalist uh, tradition of Christianity. Right, right, right. But in 1970, five years, they gave you five years prison for, well, actually, for a little abuse of marijuana. I didn't, uh, Is it just for little marijuana? Five years. Well, they said you were four, more was more than, than five. I it was, was? I was sentenced to uh, both federal and state prison uh, for, could have totaled 30 years. 30, uh, but you didn't spend 30 years. Well, I escaped after nine months. Uh, you did? You didn't know that? Yeah. No, I didn't know. What do you mean you escaped? You I trained, trained, trained very carefully, and I, I climbed a wire and climbed a wall, and I was met by a, a, a guerrilla outlaw group, and I got political asylum in Algeria. And um, How long were you in Algeria? Uh, about nine months. I was there with the Black Panthers, and then I went to... Uh, with the Black Panthers. Oh, the Black, you, know, you haven't no, that, read my book, have not you? Not really, no, I haven't. Got a, not a, your book. I've, got an, no. uh, uh, I've written several unauthorized autobiographies. Right, right. <laughs> I'm not too and, familiar uh, with your book. Yeah, I so I've got one called Flashbacks. You right. can get it in the bookstores right now. Uh-huh. It's got the whole sordid story there, and that's being made into a movie now uh, by uh, Interscope. Uh, okay. A brilliant young man named Bima Stagg who's writing a script about uh -huh. my life. So tell me more about being with the Black Panther in uh, Algeria, and then from there you went to, uh, you went well, back to prison? To escape, Did you go back to prison? I had to escape from, uh, actually, Algeria, because Algeria was a socialist, fundamentalist Islamic country, and that's no barrel of laughs. No, I know it is. Uh, communism know. and uh, Islamic fundamentalism. Right. I literally had to escape. I spent some time in Switzerland, and then I was captured by the DEA. In Where, Af in Switzerland? No, in Afghanistan, uh -huh. at the airport, and brought back, and I did about three and a half. Altogether, I did four and a half years in prison for the possession of uh, two roaches of marijuana. Four and a half years. Mm -hmm. So it really turned your life around, didn't it? Uh, from a professor in Harvard and running, escaping. Uh, what did you do the four and a half years in prison, Timothy Leary? What did Timothy Leary actually thought about? What did well, you I do? tell you, I, I, I used the, that time wisely. I enjoyed it. I, now, I'm not advocating... Did you enjoy it? I'm not advocating prison, boys and girls, but uh, uh, I found it interesting and an educational experience for me to be a psychologist at the very bottom of the prison system because after I escaped, they were really angry at me. And they put me at the bottom, and I, had, uh, I got a view of society. You know, when you get down to the bottom, you really see how the uh, police state operates. Uh, also, I love being in prison because... I didn't have to pay the rent. <laughs> I didn't have to answer the telephone. Uh -huh. I didn't have to produce erections, you know, uh, uh -huh. on a regular basis. Uh, uh -huh. Just a joke. Right, right. I know. <laughs> uh, and when I was in solitary confinement, I liked that best because, uh, you know why? Why? My roommate was a very funny guy. He kept me entertained all the time. Was he? Yeah. Is he still there or is he out now? That's me, my mirror. Your roommate. Yeah. Oh, you. Yeah. I see your mirror. Okay, just a your joke. mirror. I just know a joke. the mirror. You, you're, you're a funny man. You Thank know you. that? Thank you. I, you're, you're actually doing a stand-up comedy, too, uh, kind no, of I a thing. No, I don't do stand-up. Well, uh, I, I give my college lecture, but I give it... Uh, in comedy. Funny. In comedy flair. No. No? I make fun of authority. I make fun of... I, I'm very well, irreverent. Well, that's, that's comedy. That's fun. Yes, but I'm not a stand-up. No, I, I meant... I, you I don't, don't tell dick jokes, you know. I no, don't no, no, we don't stand that. Can I say dick on this program? Yes, of course right. you can, but I understand that. Yeah, I don't do that kind of stand-up. I... I try to mercilessly make fun of uh, uh, Christianity and Islam right, and right. Uh, politicians. Uh -huh. so that's just part of my job as a, as a dissonant philosopher. What happened after you got out of prison, the day you arrived out of prison? Uh, first of all, what prison were you in? At Which one? I was in 49 jails and prisons in four, four continents. So uh, they really? moved around to that, yeah. They really I came after around. my uh, release. I was released from California when Jerry Brown became uh, governor. Mm -hmm. And I got, I was released from federal uh, prison uh, after Reagan was thrown out. Right. I'm sorry, uh, Nixon, uh -huh. 1976. And when uh, I came to uh, Hollywood and I've been involved in communication and computers and electronics and... Uh, Immediately, is this what ran through uh, your mind in jail when you were preparing for this? When you got out, the computers? Yes, I'm a great follower of a man named Marshall McLuhan who wrote those wonderful books about communication. And he right. said that... Uh, if you want to change a culture, if you want to change yourself, if you want to change religion, right. change the medium, the mode of communication. And he said that Gutenberg created Protestantism when he had, had the Mass Assemble book right. that everybody could read. And now the new form of communication is electronic. So I'm a fanatic. 
about electronics. My brain... Electronic brain, you're into. Uh? Aren't you in electronic brains experiments right now? You're yes, into. that's right, yeah. Tell me about that. Well, uh, maybe we should... Uh, I, I don't give lectures anymore. And, uh, okay. The next you don't? Two, the next two sun, um, Monday nights at EZTV. EZTV. EZT on, on uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. Santa Monica Boulevard, right? I know it. La yes, Cienega. off of La Cienega, right. And uh, it's in Santa Monica Boulevard between uh, La Cienega and San Vincente. That's in West Hollywood. We're having a wonderful time because we're, uh, we're each Monday night we invite uh, geniuses, wizards uh, in this new field uh -huh. of electronic multimedia and uh, we produce, we're learning how to produce trance states by using uh, uh -huh. computer-generated images and electronic patterns. Uh -huh. Matter of fact, why don't we put on this little tape now to Do you show have a, you. You have a tape right now you and brought. And this is a commercial, uh, like a uh, commercial you see on TV, and what we're at, the, uh, the message from the, pro uh, the product, right. the message from the sponsor is, learn how to use your eyeballs and operate your brain. So uh, let's run the use tape. Use your eyeballs and... Yeah, learn I how like to that. use your use eyeballs. eyeballs. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Let's see it. Okay. What is that about? See, the eye, that, that's a, that's in a, in a dark room, this could, uh -huh. indeed, when we do it in a dark room at Easy TV, it produces right. a mild trance state. Uh -huh. And then my voice comes over it, and I'm saying, uh, the eyes are the windows of your brain. Uh -huh. Who controls your eyes, controls and programs your brain. Right. And all eyes love the illuminated. Eyes love dazzle. Uh, eyes love diamonds. Glitter. Eyes today and brains love electrons. Who controls your screen? Controls your brain. Uh -huh. We're developing methods for the individual, a kid in the third world, but a kid in the inner city school learns how to control what's on her screen. Operate your brain. Program your own brain. Use the methods of modern advertising, trailers and commercials to uh, put your own message on your brain. Right. Otherwise, you'll be programmed by the wizards to control commercials on your television set. Is this relaxing people to this? Well, we're trying to jumble you and scramble your brain. Uh -huh. so basically, my brain, most brains love to be jumbled with electrons. Do they really? Oh, sure. Just a known Stimulate thing. them? Is that stimulation? There's been a rumor for centuries that uh, some guy, tough male right. macho, you know, dazzle the diamond in some young girl's eyes. Right. She'll wash his socks forever because diamonds are a girl's uh -huh. best friend. Absolutely. Wrong. Diamonds give power to those people who know how to use them. Oh. And now uh, electrons. So we're teaching people, we're developing new computer programs, running off CD-ROM, running off Nintendo. Where did you get this idea from? This it's all out there. It's all it out there. It is out there? Yeah. Yeah. But these, these are not my ideas. What sort of persons, what sort of persons attract to Timothy Leary, what sort of person to trust? <laughs> Intelligent people, I know. People yeah. with minds and they want to be their own persons. But what sort of person? Well, people, I, mean, I can tell you, who people who do not like me are those people who are deeply committed to a with, religious orthodoxy or to a fundamentalist cause. Right. Uh, Open-minded people like me. Uh, people Open that, uh, yeah, uh, troublemakers, uh, bohemians, artists. Uh, Would you consider yourself a bohemian? Well, it's one phrase. I'm well, a hippie, I'm a beatnik, I'm a bohemian. I'm well, basically a... Uh, uh, an outsider, uh, I'm a dissenting philosopher, and uh, there is, there's always a, a good market for a good audience because uh, basically a lot of people out there want to be turned on and want to, uh, to, to learn how to operate their brains. Mm -hmm. What been, has been the biggest lesson for Timothy Leary in your life? Well, it's kind of foolish to be, you know, uh, I don't pretend to be a wise person. I don't no, give, I understand I don't, that. I raise questions. I don't give answers. That's what Socrates told me. Right. But I will give you an answer here. We're playing the ping-pong game of an interview. Right. Let me see. Uh, the best tip I could give anyone, if you want to grow and learn how to become smarter and enjoy life more and remain young, hang out with people that are smarter than you are and they can teach you something about your mind and your brain. And I'm proud to say that I hang out my friends every week. Uh -huh. When I look at my calendar, my appointment book, and I see the people that I hang out with. Who sort of some I, of the people? Come I, on. I, well, uh, Sunday, for example, at my house in Beverly Hills, I, right. had, I had a turkey roast. I didn't do anything about the turkey. Mm -hmm. For 70 members of Alcor. Alcor is an organization uh, who believe people are going to have their bodies or their brains frozen. 
You heard about of course, the crowd. Of course, of course, of course. I'm a member of... I might be one of them. Go ahead. We had, yeah, we had 65 or 70 people in my home. Uh-huh. We plan to meet each other maybe in 20 or 30 or 40 years because we, we, we're going to be uh, brought uh -huh. back. By Is that the tag? Yeah, that's the tag. That tells uh, uh, doctors, uh, do not autopsy me, send me, freeze me. Really? It says freeze the uh -huh. occupant. Um, so uh, to give an example, now these people, these 60 people, by, they're, by definition, they, they, uh, they think for themselves, right? Right. They're, uh, they're, I like that. They're mavericks. Yeah. And they're smart, because you've got to be smart. You have to understand the physics and the uh, biology and the, uh, and the memory, so they're smart people. Uh, Monday nights I go, every Monday night I go to uh, Easy TV, and we're assembling Easy TV. What do you mean by assembly? You just you gather people around? People and come in, they pay, they buy a they ticket, pay. and they come in, but uh, so, uh, we're you assembling talk to them crew. Yeah. Uh, for example, there's a, there's a, uh, a play called Timothy and Charlie. It's about me and Charlie Manson. It was written by Tim Reel, and they do incredible audio visuals. So uh -huh. they perform. What we're doing, Skippy, is we're merging uh -huh. at EZTV every Monday night right. the power of electrons to create an environment. And then out of the environment, the, the lecturer comes, uh -huh. or the actors in the play suddenly jump out of the, uh, the screen-like environment. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we are... Uh, we're developing experiments in uh, what's called virtual reality. Right. And these young people, I'm, I'm the luckiest, really, the man in the world. Every, every week I meet new uh, people that are on that frontier of electronic communication and uh, consciousness expansion and uh, intelligence increase. Uh -huh. What's been the hardest for Timothy Leary? What's been the hardest for you? Well, I, I, I suffer, as we all do, about the incredible poverty and hunger and violence and military power. I, I, I mean, just when you read now, the Hindus are fighting the Muslims right. and the Catholics are fighting the uh, Protestants mm -hmm. in Belfast. The, the, the stupidity and the ignorance and the control of the, of the military and the religious people, uh -huh. that pains me very much, and uh, as I think it does See, uh, most of us out there. You, you're very concerned, aren't you, uh, Timothy? You've been concerned. I'm looking at you right now. You're very concerned what's out there. But is it, are we doing the right thing right now with our military forces? Who's we? Well, the military forces yeah, going to, that, yeah, yeah. you don't want to be in that. Okay, military forces, the Americas. Are we doing the right thing to, to, I know we should help them. It's a terrible thing. See, I'm not an expert on that, but basically I think, I don't like the idea of having military people doing that because it's right. glorifying absolutely. military. absolutely, absolutely. anything that glorifies the military, you're going to pay for that. Right. You're going to pay for that in your budget. You're going to pay for that in bloodshed. So I'm basically, I've been to uh, West Point. Skippy, I was actually born at Were West you Point. In really My West father Point? was an army officer. I was born at West Point. Uh, like Is that Gordon. one of the schools you got kicked out of? And I got kicked out of, no, I actually resigned from you West resigned? Point. You resigned? I know the military mind very well, and the military mind uh, is not to be trusted. I do too. I used to entertain 10, 15 years of my life all over America, on the yeah, world, yeah. Vietnam and everything. Mm -hmm. And I know the military, yeah. and I don't agree us yeah. military being there. Hardliners, the hardliners in America and the hardliners in Russia and the hardliners in Somalia, they all want to uh -huh. take our, uh, our, our, our wealth and use it on weapons. So, uh, some of your books. Tell me some of your books. I have not read. I've got to be honest with you. How many books have you got out? I always oh, mind 30, 35. 35? Yeah. Really? What's the most popular of uh, Timothy? Flashbacks. The Mirror? Flashbacks? Flashbacks. Yeah. How about The Mirror? The Mirror. Uh, Mind Mirror was a computer game. Tell me about The Mind Mirror. Well, I've been working for the last 10 years on programs that allow the uh, person to turn the computer screen into a, like a t mind phone. Right. And to put your thoughts there. Uh, five or six years ago, you could only do this with words, uh, alphanumerics, but now you can uh, use CD-ROM and graphics. So uh, uh -huh. the, these new uh, image processors and computers are tools right. to uh, learn how to operate your brain and how to uh, communicate more clearly and... Uh, uh -huh. Become smarter. Timothy Leary, married? You have, uh, you have children? At the present time, I've been, married, I've been married seven and a half times. Seven and a half times? Seven and times. three quarters. I, I have a, an addiction problem, Skippy. I'm addicted you to marriage. started to I'm women. addicted to marriage. I just Are love really? being married. Okay, you like and Mickey any, Rooney. Mickey Rooney did too. Yeah, and the first two or three, four years, it's wonderful, but then you realize that you're dependent on it, and that, uh, uh -huh. you know, and then, uh, so uh, I have. Uh, uh, I'm proud to say that uh, I have um, been lucky enough to have as 
a living companion, some of the smartest, most beautiful women in the world, and uh, every Shh. good thing that uh, has come from me, I owe to uh, my... Uh, Barbara. Her name my, is Barbara? Barbara. Yeah, I met her in Rome years ago. She used to live in Rome. She was an she, actress and a model there, yeah. She was. Yeah, right. I, right, I didn't yeah. know that at the time, but beautiful lady, very and bright. Very intelligent, yeah, and elegant. You like to be around intelligent, brilliant people. Do you ever well, be around dumb people sometimes, uh, Timothy? Don't look at me now. <laughs> Have you ever been around people? Well, How do you around. handle that? How do yes. You... I, I, I try to leave a trail of uh, fun and joy. Yeah, we all, as we go through life, you meet a lot of people that right. are not necessarily brain surgeons. But I try in any interaction to leave a little trail of sunshine or, you know, a little joke or something because I, uh, I basically believe in humanity. Yes. I believe in the human potential, and my life is about awakening or encouraging people to develop their potential. And uh, it's a. It's Do you write profession. all night, Timothy? At night, you, uh, it I seems tend to be like a late you're a writer. I'm late. a late night person. Yeah, yeah. it seems like it to yeah. me. Um, because I think you read a lot. You read must a less lot. and less. Everything. I, I don't read books as much anymore. I read uh, magazines and I do a lot of uh, computer stuff. Is yeah. that important for us to know what's out there in the world today? And, or sometimes it confuses me when I turn the TV on and listen to the news. It's upsetting. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, sad. I, t I can't sleep at night sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't want to listen to the news late, mm -hmm. late night. Mm -hmm. um, how do we handle that? How do we handle that? Well, see, when people ask me questions like that, my answer is think for yourself. Okay. Figure it out yourself. Think for yourself. Because each don't person listen is to different. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. I see. And you have to experiment with yourself and, uh, and listen to other people's ideas, but you basically, you have to do it yourself. I see. Think for yourself. Timothy Leary. What makes Timothy Leary happy? What does he? Are you a happy person? I think I'm one of the happiest people that have ever lived. Really? Yes. Uh, even throughout this whole... Do you have any regrets in your life right now, Timothy? Yes, uh, that's a logical question. I regret uh, the fact that uh, I moved around so much and being in prison and being so controversial, it was very hard on my uh, children. Uh -huh. And it was very hard on uh, a couple of... Well, one of my marriages, because at one point, Richard Nixon called me the most dangerous man in America, and I was being stopped and chased by the police everywhere I went for... for they were just... Well, right. my, my basic crime was I was abusing the First Amendment by, <laughs> yeah, by talking too much. I know. I understand. Uh, but, we uh, don't, they don't like us to think for ourselves. Yeah, when they start, and, uh, we think for ourselves, we're dangerous. It was very hard to answer your question uh, yeah. uh, on my children, to have their father, uh, you know, such uh -huh. a hated person. My son, when he went to high school, uh, was actually beat up by uh, other kids because really? he was my uh, son. Yes. And this takes a tremendous, of course, uh, uh, still, I'm a middle-class American, so I, I, it's not as bad as it is for most uh, children in the world. But uh, still, uh, uh, I regret that it was, my kind of life was hard on uh, the people that uh, were closest to me. And uh, uh -huh. because family and friendship uh, are the basic things. How and, is uh, he handling it today, your son? They're, they're doing fine. They're doing fine. They're going to school? And I've got are five they? grandchildren, and I'm in really? touch with them all the time. And, uh -huh. They go up and down, uh, uh -huh. and there's not as much enmity. As a matter of fact, people are not, uh, the government isn't going around, you know, uh, chasing me now, I hope. Yeah. But uh, things are, uh, yeah. Is uh, Timothy it's Leary... Gonna great, it's going to be a great 1990s. Uh, I'll tell you a, a little story that was told to me. It's a time to rejoice, because uh, when you think about it, there are a lot of bad things happening. But we have a president, right. a vice president, and two dynamic, you know, strong first ladies, right. all of whom are younger than old farts like Bob Dylan and Mick Jagger. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's all new young generation. Uh -huh. Isn't it great? Which is post-World War II, uh -huh. and it's the 60s kids. And uh, So you like that? Uh, I, I don't, uh, yeah, I'm not claiming that uh, Clinton's going to be a great politician because it's a hopeless job, but right. the spirit of hope that Clinton and Bush... Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's yeah. a, there is a, all around the world, there's you a sense, sense of... You sense that. I do, too. Is it, uh, Kennedy, when Kennedy was elected in the 60s, he gave us hope, too. Uh -huh. Actually, Kennedy was not a very good president. Yes. Uh -huh. But still, the fact he was young and jacky uh -huh. and it gave us a sense right, of, right. of uh, hope and vigor he, and courage and... Uh, and he might bring Dylan to the White House to play for him. Dylan? I like Dylan. Don't you like Dylan? Who? Bob Dylan. Bob No, Dylan. Uh, Jimmy I know, Carter I, did I, that. I, yeah. Jimmy. The rumor is, is. that... Um, 
that they might bring the Grateful Dead. <laughs> no, they're not going to bring Dylan, I don't think. No. So. <laughs> Tell me about Timothy Leary's book and life story and movies. What's going to happen? Are they going to be doing that of, of Timothy Leary? I don't know. I, I, Who would you like to see I, do your life oh, story, that's kind Timothy? Of a, that's almost like a matter. I, I don't, don't think like about it. I don't think about that. I'd like Grace Jones to play me. How about Grace Jones? And You're listening to the Psychedelic Salon where people are changing their lives one thought at a time. And so, these two interesting people have now faded into our past. But we were fortunate indeed to have had them with us and doing their thing during our lifetimes. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>